In Deuteronomy chapter 24, we get a small slice of the different laws scattered throughout those first five books of the Bible. It might be tempting to skim through many of these because as followers of Jesus, many would say that we've been freed from the law. But it's important to spend time here for one big reason. The law reveals the character of God. Knowing that character of God helps us live as his people today. For example, in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is arguing that as a preacher and apostle for God, he deserves to be paid. His evidence? Look at verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Just as the oxen deserves a share of what is produced, Paul says, so do the apostles. And so that the laws that we read throughout the Old Testament, they can help us understand the character of God and inform our behavior as followers of Jesus. Verses 1 through 5 deal with marriage, specifically divorce. This is one of the few places in the Old Testament that actually talks about it. In short, if a man found some indecency in her, he was to send her out of the house with a certificate of divorce. What that indecency is has been debated throughout the centuries by rabbis. Some have taken it to be adultery, while others have said that if she makes an indecent dinner, you're free to divorce. Whatever the reason was for the divorce back in that day, she was given a certificate of divorce, and this was to protect the woman from charges of adultery if she married again. But after remarrying, she could never return back to her first husband. God wasn't going to allow wife swapping among his people. Faithfulness in marriage is important to God, even more important than serving in the military for the first year of that marriage. We see that God wants us to take the time to make our marriages work. In the New Testament, Jesus only allows divorce in the case of adultery, because our marriages are to be a reflection of God's faithfulness to us. The next group of laws, verses 6 through 7 and 10 through 15, deal with a person's dignity and livelihood. When loans or pledges were called to account, the creditor couldn't grab just anything in sight. Certain things, such as the millstone, necessary to make bread, or a person's cloak that they would sleep in, they were either off-limits or heavily restricted. God gives his people certain inalienable rights. The right to make their own food, the right to sleep in their own clothes, the right to receive their wages. Those are things that can't be violated. Now, in the midst of that section, we also see these small two verses on leprosy, showing that God still has concern for ritual purity, clean and unclean. This is tied in with a warning about Miriam, who was struck with leprosy after speaking out against Moses, her brother, God's appointed leader. God is reminding his people that rebellion against him or his anointed is going to make an unperson clean and drive them away from the presence of God. In verses 16 through 18, we have general laws on justice. You're not responsible for the sins or crimes of others. You're only ever going to be punished for your own crimes. The weak are not to be discriminated against in court. And in all things, Israel was to remember their own slavery. They were to treat others better than what they had to endure in Egypt. It's passages about this and God's justice that make us question the teachings of original sin as seen in the Catholic Church or Calvinistic-leaning churches. God is a God of justice. We don't die for other people's sins. We die for our sins. Moving on to verses 19 through 20, we have that final small collection on social responsibility for the poor. We remember from yesterday's reading that God always expects his people to be generous to the poor and the needy. And one form of that was to not completely harvest your fields. The corners and whatever was dropped during the harvest, that was to be left for the poor to gather themselves. It was free, but it wasn't necessarily a handout. 
God still expected the poor to put in some effort and work for themselves, maintaining their own dignity and encouraging them to take care of themselves. And this carries on into the New Testament when Paul writes to the Thessalonian church in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, We gave you this command, those who don't work, don't eat. While all the specifics of keeping God's will might have changed from the Old to the New Testament, it's still always useful to know God's law. It's a good way to get to know him. They broaden our concepts of marriage, of justice, and charity, and they show us how God expected his people to carry these commands out. 